One of these days, uh, friends, Jesus is coming again. Uh, he's going to return and uh, he's going to come and sit on, on a throne uh, in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning in an everlasting kingdom that will be comprised of those from every kindred, a people, and every nation. For the first time since Adam sinned in the garden, he will finally receive the glory that he deserves, the glory due to his name. As we all ascribe to him praise, honor, and glory, and all of the undivided love in our hearts, in that day, the day that Zechariah has been pounding, in that day, in that day, in that day, we will all look back on the life we are now living, and we will recognize that it was all about the kingdom. Everything is all about the kingdom. And we will all recognize that our Lord had given us in this life the unbelievable privilege uh, and opportunity to actually affect who the people from every kindred, tribe, and nation that will be there would actually be. Listen, friends, that's why missions is so tremendously significant. And again, we will see that all so clearly when the kingdom has actually come. That's why days like this today are so significant to our lives and to our churches that are represented here. They are designed to help us to see now what will be so clear when the, the kingdom actually come. While we still have time to use our lives to impact that kingdom, that's why I'm so excited, really excited for a time like this. Because friends, we don't have too much time. Time is gone. The energy we have, we might not have it, the same energy tomorrow, the next week. The resources that God has given us, the opportunities that God has given us, the privilege that God has given us, we may not have them. We have them now. What are we doing with the resources, the opportunities, that God has given us. Sitting on the panel yesterday, I heard uh, the pastors hitting it again and again and again and again. We have this opportunity to train, to learn. Please learn as much as you can. Opportunities that God has given us. Let's utilize them. 
Let's put them to use for his glory. Yesterday I presented to the conference the state of the church and issues facing the church in Malawi. And I did say that in terms of numbers, uh, you will see that there is some exponential growth. Every corner of the country, there is a church that is, that is being planted or some buildings that are being constructed. And you, if you just look at those, you'd think that the church has grown uh, exponentially. However, if you look through the lens of the Bible, biblical lenses, you will begin to see that the church is actually not growing. It's just the numbers, but the, the quality of the church is not there. Kind of what Jesus is talking about when he's looking at the church in the book of Revelations. All great things looks like they are happening to the church at Ephesus. But he has something against those churches. There are so many things that are happening in churches in Malawi that are not the things that God is looking for for churches. And I can summarize it this way. The church in Malawi, the state of the church in Malawi, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. What we need for us as a church in Malawi, we need a people who have a good handle of the word of God, a people who would study to show themselves approved unto God, a workman, that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the people that would allow the word that they are learning to take root in their hearts, to challenge their worldview, to challenge their traditional belief, to, try, to, to challenge their priorities, to challenge everything about them. These are the people that we need to see moving, planting churches, churches that are going to be so grounded in the truth of the word of God. For us, God has opened an effectual door to train our pastors and church leaders through the Passion Center for Pastors. We started in Zomba City, and we are holding conferences there uh, to train them. And it was going very well. Many people were attending these conferences. 250 people would come uh, to attend those, uh, those conferences. And these conferences were well received. But listen, if you could remember the stats that I shared with you yesterday, 75% of the population are living in the rural areas. And most of these people, they haven't received uh, the training, uh, the training that we all need if we are to go into ministry or to be a better Christian, uh, better Christians in the church. And almost four years ago, God changed the direction of our ministry to begin to train rural pastors, people that haven't really had the opportunity to receive training. And how it works is that we get into the area and through what uh, they, are, they, they, they are called, some groups, they are called pastors fraternal. 
the, the way this thing is set up is that pastors from various churches mobilize themselves and they are all organized. They have a structure in place and, and, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just use these structures and through these structures we are able to uh, train uh, pastors. Currently, we have about 300, 305 pastors and church leaders that are undergoing, uh, undergoing training. And we come to them to share what we have to offer. But when we meet them, before we actually begin to uh, start the training, we make sure that they know who we really are. And so we developed our mission statement and some distinctives that identifies us. And Pastor Mark is going to come and share with us uh, the mission statement and the distinctives uh, that we have. But again, friends, we don't have so much time. Time is gone. Let's use the opportunity that God has given us to count for his glory. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, Abusa. Uh, that's the word pastor in uh, Chichewa is the language there. And uh, I know that word, and I can do the, the greetings there, but that's about, that's about it. Let, let, let me uh, just, uh, because I, I know most of you guys, and uh, m most of you know me through uh, years gone by uh, when I was pastoring in New Philadelphia. Uh, I was there for 25 years and uh, much to my surprise, I felt like God was for some reason uh, leading me away. Okay, so for those of you that may not know First Baptist of New Philadelphia, uh, Pastor Jeff Bartell is now pastoring that church. But uh, I left there in 2007 and uh, went to Columbus, Ohio, and uh, was the teaching pastor there. And I, I, again, I, I got to tell you, I, I got there and there was a good period of time where I, I, I believed that God led me there, but I just didn't really know why. And uh, as I look back over my shoulder now, I, I really do believe that one of the key pieces was this thing that is, that is happening in, in Malawi. Uh, last year at this conference, and I realize not everybody was here, but you heard from Chris and Joni Weaver. Okay, when I went to Columbus, this was a, a couple that was in our church, and uh, Chris and Joni, I, I, would you guys mind just standing up? You don't need to applaud or anything like that. I just want you to uh, just get that, that mug back. It, But uh, the, the way that this worked is uh, I, I had gotten to Columbus and uh, I, I knew Chris and Joni, just, you know, sweet, sweet people. Uh, at that time, uh, Chris uh, was working as one of the vice presidents for a Fortune 500 company and, you know, had a large life and all of that. And uh, one day uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, I was in the foyer, and 
uh, Chris, you know, called me over and he says, hey, hey, bro, can I just talk to you for a minute? He says, Joni and I just got back from Malawi and tears started streaming down his face and he said, could I, could I get with you maybe sometime this week and just tell you what God did on this trip? And wow, man, I mean, I could see that he was so broken that, nah, I don't think I care much about that. Uh, man, I, I was all about that. So uh, he said, yeah, why don't you just meet me in my office? And so I, I get to his office and there's this conference table as long as this room. And it's just he and I in there. He had catered in breakfast and he's got a, a PowerPoint. You know, he's got, he's a missionary, man. He, he took a missions trip. And uh, he, he was just saying, you know what? He said, I, I know you've been on mission trips all over the world and all of that. And, and I don't know, maybe this is just the way everybody comes back from a missions trip. But man, I would just like to ask you to just begin praying about you going and just seeing if this isn't something that, that God has for our church. And uh, so uh, that was... Uh, September-ish of 2008, in January of 2009, I did take a trip uh, uh, with Chris, and you remember yesterday when uh, Abusa Chobwana, when Palera was uh, talking with us, he, he talked about when he got to Bible college and there was a, a guy there that they started playing basketball with, Eric. And it was with this connection with Eric and Palira that the Passion Center for Children started. And again, the, the need because of the orphans, because of the widows, because of the devastation of AIDS, because of the extreme poverty. He mentioned yesterday that it's the poorest nation in the world as of the 2015 stats. And, and so they, they, they started th this ministry where they were feeding children and, and trying to give the gospel uh, through all of that. Okay, so this Eric, uh, who is an American, got saved at the same time that Chris Weaver did back in the day when they were in the military as young men and had kind of lost connection through the years. Eric was still, you know, involved in, in Malawi, invited Chris and Joni to come and just, you know, do the two-week missions trip. So they did that, and then coming back, that was what he was sharing with me. So we went with Eric. Uh, this was the first time that I, uh, excuse me, <coughs> I, I'm not emotional. I just swallowed the wrong way. Um, but uh, that was the first time that I, I met Palira, and wow, just being able to be a part of the Passion Center for the Thanks, bro. Uh, being a part of the, and seeing what was happening through the Passion Center for, for children and the, the orphanage there. And we would go out into the villages and uh, minister to widows. And I, I had read somewhere in a book one time that pure re religion and undefiled is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And so there, there was great joy in being able to do all of that. But as I began to get acquainted with Palira. I 
was like, wow, man, this guy is, he is a pastor. He is a, a church leader. And somehow, in the midst of all of this need, there's got to be a local church here. And so we, we just began to talk, and he, he was saying, bro, that's my heart. It's just this need has developed, and this is what has happened. And so we talked about the fact that Jesus loves the church. He gave himself for it. He promised to protect it. He promised to build it. And he, as, as, as cool as orphanages are and, and feeding people is, it's not a local church. And so, I mean, that was all Polira needed to just plant this church. Uh, I hope that you have the opportunity to be able to, to go with us someday to Malawi and just be a part of, uh, of what God is doing in the Mulunguzi community church and the vision that they have and the passion that, that they have. Uh, and, and so we, we started taking teams of our, our people uh, from Columbus uh, to uh, Malawi. And, and it was just so interesting what was beginning to happen. We, we, would, we would take just, you know, random people in the church on a missions trip. And so nurses started saying, you know what we could do? We could, and so now, uh, part of what we do is there is a thing that is called the community health network. And people in the villages have been trained to do and to diagnose things that people are dying from that they don't need to be dying from. And, and so th there's just this crazy networking that's all gospel centric that has to do with community health uh, education people teachers and educators started coming and they said you know what we could do is and so now we have uh, an educational track for people who uh, are teachers uh, guys that were coaches in high schools and so forth started coming on the trips and they said, you know, what we could do, and so now there is a sports network. Um, Chris was, uh, he's been on every trip that I have been on. They now live in Malawi. But, but Chris started dreaming about, okay, so with the things that we're talking about in terms of training pastors and church planting, in a nation where poverty is like you cannot even imagine. How do, how do we sustain a church planting movement in, in a country like this? And so his vision was, you know what, man, I'm just gonna cash it in, man. And even though I'm living large in a part of a Fortune 500 company, and they have, they have sold all their goods and they, they, they live real close to, to Palera right now. And, and you'll be able to hear from him tomorrow. Last year you heard 
you know, just some of the things that they were hoping God might do. Okay, well, now you'll be able to hear some of the things that have happened in the last year. But what I'm wanting you to see is there's lots of, there's lots of tracks to be able to run on. Man, if you want to be a part of any of those tracks and and come on a a missions trip, we would love to to have you be a, a part of that. But as uh, Palera was just saying, okay, so I'm coming to this country and I'm not really into sports anymore. I'm not an educator and I'm not, you know, the health dude. Uh, And so I'm thinking in terms of pastors, I'm thinking in terms of, I, I have the same DNA is everybody in this room. And I, I think basically what our DNA is, is that we are all about the way that I've said it. I don't know if somebody said it before me, I, but the way that I say it is we're all about reproducing reproducers who are a part of reproducing, reproducing churches. Say so, what? Well, okay, and so, but that's my passion. It is to see disciples made who are making disciples that are a part of churches that are making disciples, but are a part of churches that are reproducing churches. And that's, that's, that's what I'm passionate about. So we started, as he said, in the city uh, of Zomba, but and the pastors that were coming there, you know, they, 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 they loved it. It was a big, you know, it was like this, you know kind of pump you up and get you excited and all of that. But these are guys that have had training. The reason they're in the cities is because of that training. And so we began talking about what about where the people really are and where the need is the greatest. And so we started going out into uh, an area uh, these fraternals that he, he's talking about. Basically, it would be a, a region and, uh, where all of the pastors in, in that region, and we're, we're talking about, you know, even with uh, like a maybe 70 mile radius. And these pastors get together once a month. And again, these are guys with no training. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. Uh, or anything like that, but just to say it the way that it is, what those meetings basically are is a cesspool of false doctrine. And they get together and they propagate to each other these false doctrines, this new crap. A gospel that is not, sorry, a gospel that is not the gospel this prosperity thing and Jesus wants you rich and if you'll come to Christ and you know all of the 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 bells and whistles and the miraculous and and everybody is starving it's just incredible and so we started going out into uh, this area it's called jolly it's not ho 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 it's j a l i and we, we, okay, so the, here's this fraternal, we come in and we just start doing what we would do, just start teaching the Bible. 
and principles of Bible study. And wow, it started getting some traction. And they were all about, oh my goodness, would you come back? And couldn't believe when we when came back in a few months later. And so we, we did that a few times. And then we started talking about, you know what? Wow, we need to, we need to formalize this. And we need to uh, get these guys to feel like they are a part of something. Uh, so there's an accountability there. Uh, if, if they're going to be a part of something, then we need to give them the training that they need. And so this is what has caused me to reinvent my life around the field of Malawi. And so what, what I have been spending my uh, days and nights and mornings doing is writing materials uh, that I then send to Palira. He translates them, they get formatted, and he meets with these pastors every two weeks. We're now in three different areas. We've had to bring on another Palira. His name is Saul, a dynamite guy. to, to help us in this because of now being in three different areas, and as he said, training 305 pastors. And so, you know, and just to help maybe some of you maybe just think in a, a whole different area. Uh, okay, so 32 years ago, was it, Brother Paul, when you went to the, the field? Okay. So he goes to the field, starts a Bible study, and a church planting movement was born out of that. Okay, so I'm I'm leading teams of these people into this field, and at this stage of the game, y'all, okay, this is going to pain me to say this, but I'm going to be turning 60 in two months, and chances are good I am never going to learn Chichewa. Uh, it's crazy, man. Sometimes I will say something, you know, to the pastors and Palera will then translate it. And I'll look at him and say, did I say that? Because it, you know, what took me, you know, about 10 seconds to say, he's 30 seconds saying, and, and, and it's because, you know, there's not that English equivalent. He's having to conceptualize all of that. Okay, I don't have that kind of time. I'm just not going to get there. And, and, and so we were looking and just saying, what, what is here? These fraternals are there, man. And, and so if we can just break into the infrastructure that's already there and just begin to, for sake of a better word, take over that fraternal and turn it into the Passion Center for Pastors, we feel like that is a way for us in this field with people who already know the language and people who live like Malawians. And I'm not so sure there's any of us that could live the way that they live. And so it's just a, for us, it's a way to train pastors and instill in them the same DNA that we have in the Living Faith Fellowship and see a church planting movement born out of that. And uh, so uh, 
when we come into an area like this, as Palira said, what we begin to do is we want to make sure that they know who we are and what we're about. And so uh, we, we developed, uh, as he said, a mission statement and we developed uh, some distinctives so that people would fully understand what they were actually getting into. And, uh, and, and so what I want to do is, wow, I, I love to preach and I'm going to have to resist the urge on this, but I do want to get you acquainted with this because what we're doing in Malawi might be able to be reproduced somewhere else and there may be some pastors and churches or whoever that said, hey, if that infrastructure is already there, wow, man, what about us taking this region and doing what you've already been doing there? The materials have been translated. And so, you know, they're just, a, a, but, but I want to share with you what we tell them that we are all about. And, and so here is our, our mission. Uh, go on to the next one here. And, and what I did is I, I, I used the same uh, PowerPoint. When we're there, uh, we, we can't count on electricity anywhere. And so we'll, most of the time we're running off a generator. We're shooting onto a, a white screen. So sorry that there's no fancy schmancy. Uh, but this, this is what we do. And, and so it, it's there in their language. And you can see the cheat sheet down at the bottom. And this is for me, but our, our mission is to provide pastors and leaders a biblical strategy for their own personal growth and development and a biblical strategy for the reproduction of reproducing churches in Malawi. And so right from the very get-go, what we tell them is we, we want to make an investment in you, but we do expect something. We want you to take what you're getting and build that into your people. And then from your church to go to the next village and reproduce those same things uh, there. And, and so that's our mission. Our, our distinctives uh, are, are this. First of all, it, it is a passion for rescue and redemption. And, and again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach them some very foundational things right from the very beginning. And so in Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 9, the, the, the context here, and why don't you go ahead and pull that next slide up, Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 9. What, what the context here, as you can see, can you guys see in the back the, the cheat sheet English? Okay in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. And so what he does here is he gives the context is what God did in bringing the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt. And again, that's the context. And so one of the things that we'll begin to do is to tell them that God is this incredible artist. And what God has done in the New Testament is he's taken some of those 
concepts and principles that are hard sometimes for us to get our minds wrapped around. And what he has done is he has pictured those in his Old Testament. Now, of course, you guys know all about this, but we'll talk to them about and we'll walk them back to when God's people were in bondage in Egypt. And so we'll, we'll talk to them about the fact that Egypt was the world power in that day. And it was being dominated by a wicked king by the name of Pharaoh. And day in and day out, God's people labored under the taskmaster's whip in, in Egypt, longing for a deliverer. And finally, God brought them out through the blood of the Passover lamb. And amen. And say, now, do you realize that that little story that took me about 30 seconds to just tell you gets more column inches than anything else in the entire Bible? It's basically the content of the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Why did God take so much time when he gave us one chapter on creation and he's going to spend about five books talking about delivering people out of their bondage in Egypt. And, and of course, we would understand that we were in bondage in Egypt because Egypt is always a picture of sin and the world that's being dominated by a wicked king and his name ain't Pharaoh, but Satan. And there was a time in all of our lives when we were longing for a deliverer. And God finally brought us out. And you know how he did it? Through the blood of the Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 talks about Christ being our Passover. And what we have in our Old Testament with God bringing out the people from their bondage in Egypt is an incredible picture of the Christian life. And that's not just my little spin on it. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He goes through that whole story and he says, hey, listen, the reason I'm telling you this is not to rag on the nation of Israel. I'm telling you this so that what happened to them doesn't happen to you. Hello? And so that's the context of this. And he's talking about bringing the children of Israel out of bondage, and we would understand that's a picture of us. And watch what he says, but I wrought. The reason I worked, it was for my namesake. Are you hearing that, my brothers and sisters? It was all about the name of God. Did God care? about people being in bondage? Did, did he, what, what's up over there, y'all? <laughs> Say what? Oh, hey, tell Siri I'm busy, man. She tries to find me every time I preach, man. <laughs> and I'm not preaching now. I'm just sharing about the field. <laughs> but, The name of God. Oh, yeah. He cared. <laughs> you guys messed me up, not Siri. <laughs> yes, he cared about 
his people and what they were enduring for 400 stinking years. He cared. But he didn't bring them out. Because of all of the horrificness that they were going through. Hey, that happened. But he brought them out. Because his name had been polluted in the world by his people. And he said, I did what I did for me so that my name could be glorified. And yeah, wow. I'm, I'm never gonna make it through all of this. Uh, and, and so maybe I'll just uh, abort that whole track. But my brothers and sisters, I think we're going to have to watch out, man, in these last days because this church planting thing and caring for the least of these, the, the crazy thing about our world with all of the trash that goes on, it's become rather trendy. And, and people feel really good about themselves when they're meeting the needs of the least of these and can tout the difference I'm making in the world. Oh. It's, it's so crazy how even things that look like they're good can be so self-centered. And God says, the reason I did what I did for you is for me. Because my name was being dragged through the mud all over the world. And so I did this glorious thing in bringing you out so that I could glorify my name. And we want from the very outset, man, that's what we want to instill in, in these guys. W would you do this, bro? Would you go to the very last slide uh, in, in this presentation? And this is, <laughs> this is what I thought I was gonna be covering in this little period of time. Okay, so, so when we talk about a, a passion for rescue and redemption, yes, we're talking about rescuing widows and orphans, and people who are bound in their sin, we want to see them redeemed, but what we really have a passion for, first and foremost, is for God's name to no longer be polluted in a country. And you heard Palira yesterday talk about how the devil has just infiltrated this country with demonism on every front, even in the name of Jesus now. Demonism. And, and so we're coming in and trying to develop a mindset in, in these people that God does what he does for his glory's sake. Then we talk to them about that we as the Passion Center for Pastors have a passion for sound doctrine and 
I've got, you know, all of our cross references on that where God through Paul tells Timothy, buddy, you get established in sound doctrine and you get your hands around that book and you hold it fast and you shut the mouth of the people who are saying something different than what this book says. But you hold it fast. And so we'll talk about how God just warns over and over and over and over and over about the many deceivers that are in the world. And when he was writing that, it was in the first century. There's many antichrist. There's many deceivers. And he goes on to tell us that it's only going to get worse. And if there were many in the first century, we're trying to just get them aware of the fact that how many must there be in the 21st century. So we talk to them right from the very beginning about sound doctrine. We talk to them about the fact that what we have a passion for is biblical preaching. And of course, we would go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, where, where Paul tells Timothy, buddy, preach the word. Don't teach it. Preach it, but preach the word, not from the word, not about the word, not using the word, not holding the word. Preach the word, exactly what Brother Paul has been doing every night this week. Letting the truth come from the word and Preaching it. Well, what does that mean? You know, I, I, I now live in the South. And uh, in, in the South, if a dude, well, let me tell you something now. And if he'll yell and if he'll wave his arms and all that and make everybody laugh, he doesn't have to say too words about the Bible, they'll say, man, that dude can preach. <laughs> Preaching is defined in this verse as reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Have you ever factored this in, y'all, that two-thirds of biblical preaching is negative? Reprove. When we preach the word, it should be convicting. Rebuke, it should be confronting. It should confront us in any area of our disobedience. And it should exhort. It should challenge us. It shouldn't leave us in a big heap, but should cause us to say, okay, God, what you taught me, I want my life now to be transformed. I don't want that just to be information. I want transformation. And, and, and so we begin to talk to them about what biblical preaching actually is. And, and then we talk to them about, a, a, we, are, we have a passion at the Passion Center for Pastors for making disciples. Uh, and and it, it, here's the issue that we, we run into. Okay, so we're, we're working with these guys that are village pastors. Um, 
one of the things that I've been doing for the, the, the training is uh, taking them from Genesis to Revelation as a one-year track. And so, you know, they'll come into Genesis chapter 1 through 3, and I will tell them, write to them, okay, and here's the things that you want to make sure that you're not missing in this. These are some of the key things that he's laying down. And then we'll go into the next day's reading, and we just work through the, the Bible uh, like that. Now, again, this is some of the resources that are now available uh, that could be used, uh, you know, in the field of Malawi or maybe in a field that you're in. If you're wanting to take people on a crash course uh, through the through the Bible, uh, and uh, so uh, the, one of the problems that we have, though, is that. These guys, part of the reason that they didn't go to Bible college is they can't read real well. Uh, most of them would have somewhere to about maybe a sixth grade equivalent for us, maybe maybe eighth. Uh, and, and so, you know, here's this daunting task that we're going to have of bringing them through the Bible. And so one of the things that we, we found is that uh, there is a thing called a proclaimer uh, that is an uh, audio Bible that is solar powered. And these, there's not a, one of these guys that we're dealing with. Nobody has a car. N nobody has electricity. Uh, you know, ju just to uh, get you to understand this thing. Okay. And, and so we're going, man, how are they going to read through the Bible, read everything that I'm trying to do and training them? Uh, and, and so we, we were able to provide a proclaimer to, uh, for each of these guys so that they can read the Bible and, and listen to it being read and work through the material. They have assignments. They turn those in. Uh, Pastor Palera meets with them every two weeks. They turn in their assignments and they work on sending it back. They're trying to understand, are they absorbing the things that that they're hearing and that, that they're, they're, they're learning. And so we, we've, we've done that. When we go into, I go to Malawi three times a year. Now, again, they're getting materials uh, that will, it's developed to where there's five days of material out of every seven days uh, because it's somewhere along the way, if they're gonna preach the word, they're gonna have to prepare for Sunday. And uh, so uh, there's, five days out of every seven days that they're, they're working uh, on that. But I come in three times a year and we hold several day conferences where what I've been doing for the last several years with these guys is bringing them through uh, the keys of Bible study, the, the basic hermeneutic principles to where we're bringing them through how to understand context and rightly dividing the word of truth and the three layers of application and all of these things that we're all, all about. That, that's the stuff that I'm teaching them. But when I take the principle of Bible study, what I do is knowing the false doctrines that they are a part of, I, I take passages and apply the principle that we just talked about of Bible study 
and take them to those passages. And we rightly divide it. We put it in its context. We talk about what is really happening and what is really being said when you see it in the context. And, oh, guys, it, it has just been so incredible to hear these guys let go of all of this and begin to form a, a doctrinal perspective. And then the, the, the last thing is a passion for reproducing churches. And again, we, we tell them from the very beginning that if Malawi is going to be changed, if it is going to be redeemed, it is going to be because of the gospel. That, that passage where in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus comes in to his home synagogue, his home church, if you will, and they hand him the scroll because he's going to be the guest rabbi that's going to preach. He, he opens to Isaiah 61 and he reads the passage that is pointing to him and he looks at them and he says, this day are these things fulfilled in your hearing. Hmm. Oh, that was about you? Yeah. And here's the first thing. I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. And I, Manna is here, the Passion Center for Children. We're all about feeding the poor, helping the poor. Um, but Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. And so we're doing everything that we can to meet their needs as I think it was Brett that mentioned yesterday uh, quoting Frank, owning the, the right to be able to give people the gospel. The thing that is going to change Malawi is not just feeding programs. It is going to be local churches that are all about sound doctrine and making disciples and reaching people with the gospel. And that is the only way that they'll ever let go of the demonic strongholds that are holding them and dominating that country. I'm telling you, Satan is having a heyday in that country, literally killing people through their cultural practices. And again, very it's a stronghold. And so we're telling them the answer to Malawi. We want to help in any way that we can, but the answer isn't money and it isn't food. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I, I, I hope you can hear all of that. I, I know that I'm going rather quickly. I wanted you, to, though, to, to get an understanding of what is happening in this field and how we see this as, for this field, one of the ways that we might be able to enact a, a church planting movement through people that we believe would be genuinely saved but have just gotten jacked up. They're all, they already have a church. They already know the language. They already live like the people. Uh, and, and so we're trying to influence them. I, I, I hope that uh, what we can do through a, a video here uh, you know, Andrew had testimonies of some of the, the people that have been infected and affected by uh, the, the ministry of the Friends of Internationals. And so 
just, I mean, this is, this is not old, just about 10 days ago, uh, Palera, after meeting with some of these guys, they just went outside and he, he just let them talk for a, a few minutes. Uh, okay, so I, I always want to know, how long is this going to be? Uh, it, it's, uh, okay, I know our attention span is only about two minutes, but it's longer than that, okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's seven minutes, and uh, I think I am going to end exactly when you told me, and uh, I'll let you come up afterwards, lest I uh, pontificate, bloviate, uh, go over my time. Uh, but I, I hope this will uh, encourage you. You'll be able to see uh, how uh, Abusa Chabwana and I interact uh, just a little bit. Uh, I dare y'all to worship tonight the way you'll see these guys worship. Enjoy. <laughs> Calling all the messengers. Calling all the messengers. Calling all Can you crank that volume? But we're not going to know him just because we pray. The way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us is through his word. My name is Luke Masamba. I'm the pastor of the Baptist Convention Church. Before I started attending the Passion Center for Pastors Training, it was difficult for me to make the proper application of the scriptures because I didn't know how to determine the historical context. I knew that the passages I was reading were very important, but because I didn't know the historical context, it resulted in me making wrong applications. I feel that I'm now able to approach the Word of God with confidence. I'm encouraging many others to be a part of this important training. My name is Pastor Fellini Lachepa. Before I started attending the Passion Center for Pastors training, I was pastoring a church, but the training showed me how little I really knew. But because I have learned the principle of comparing Scripture with Scripture, I'm now able to study the Bible for myself. This has helped me immensely in my own spiritual life and in my preaching ministry. My church has greatly benefited from what I'm learning through this training. There are so many false teachings going around my country, but this training has equipped me to understand sound doctrine and has helped me to know how to teach sound doctrine so that my church can be grounded in the truth. 
I have the confidence in the things I believe now because I can see them from the scriptures. That has not always been the case. In the past, I was unable to give a reason for believing what I believed. For example, there is a teaching going around Malawi that when you come to faith, you will never suffer and you will be able to get anything you want. There is also a false teaching that tells people that when you come to faith, signs and wonders will follow you. Through this training, I can now contend that this is false, and I can also show from the Scripture how the Holy Spirit really operates in the life of a believer. I'm grateful to God for the privilege to attend the PCP training. My life and ministry are not the same. My name is Joseph Ferrakia. I come from the Palombi district. On the days of the Passion Center for Pastors training, I leave my home at 3.30 a.m. to get here by 8.40 a.m. I cycle for this long distance because from the first time I came to the training, I knew God had so much in store for me. I was challenged by biblical examples of people like Epaphras who traveled long distances to be able to learn and to spread the truth. I have benefited so much with this training. Before I started coming, I was so careless in my study of the Word of God and my application of it. For example, I would claim promises in the Bible that were not directed to me. I have now learned to filter through things I hear, even from the groups that claim to be Christian, like the Bereans in Acts 17.11, I have learned to search the scriptures and see if what someone is saying is actually the truth. And the instruction to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, I have learned to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Personally, when I learned the principle of rightly dividing the word of truth, it made me realize that the things I had been teaching were not the truth, and I went to my church to apologize. Living in these last days when there are so many false teachers, we need to be grounded in the word of God. I'm encouraging pastors and other leaders in my area to come out to the PCP training so they too can study to show themselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. My name is Matindere Robin Mabiwe. I'm one of the students here at the Passion Center for Pastors. I have benefited so much by attending this training. I used to do so many things that I thought were in the Word of God, but when I learned the keys of Bible study, for example, my life has been totally transformed. I now have a much better understanding of the Scriptures than I had before. In addition, my pulpit ministry has also improved tremendously. In the past, I would just take a verse and go off preaching and establish doctrines that weren't biblical at all. 
Basically, I was giving people gall that had the potential to kill their souls. I have benefited much from the training and intend to take the things I've learned here to the ends of Malawi. God bless you. Mm. Who was that translating for the video? M Mr. I only know two or three phrases. Huh? <laughs> You're really good at it, man. I was really impressed. I You had a little help. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to pray. Brothers and sisters, this is a strategic ministry that we're being exposed to this morning, isn't it? Um. I want to really encourage you, don't come to Mission Focus passively. Uh, come prayerfully. Come with expectation. You know, Lord, how are you going to help me advance the cause of Christ? What are you calling me to, to personally own the Great Commission? And so we need to be praying, don't we? We need to be preparing ourselves so that we can be a part. We need to give and we need to go. I'm so grateful. Um, already, two-thirds of the expressed... It's not just a need in, in Romania, it's an opportunity to invest. Um, we've got people saying, I want to buy into what the Howies are doing. I want to be a part of that. Um, don't just give a few dollars. Pre man, own prayer, own that missionary, own that work in prayer, and then start planning. You know, prepare yourself, plan. When are you going to Romania to go help win souls and make disciples and, and, and to be a part of furthering the kingdom of God in, in, in Romania. Um, an, another church told me last night that they want to partner with Paul in Bogota. Man, praise the Lord. That is strategic. What an incredible opportunity to see the kingdom of God multiplied throughout the earth. Well, here it is, man, Malawi. Um, if we don't say God is raising us up for such a time as this, Islam will take Malawi. And... Uh, Man, we, we can do something about that. We can be a part of seeing people trained and seeing the ministry multiplied in Malawi with, with this many people representing this many churches. There is no reason why this ministry can't multiply all over uh, the state, the nation of, of Malawi. Um, before we pray for the Passion Center, uh, Tas, where is... Uh, Tasa Sada, can you stand? Can you come, brother? We're gonna, we want people to meet you. Um, Toss is a, what a good brother. <laughs> um, you're gonna be blown away whenever you figure out what this brother's story is. But um, um, before we have him, before you get the, before you get the inside track on Toss, uh, Toss, could you lead us in prayer for the Passion Center in Malawi? Thanks, brother. Father, I thank you, Lord. I am so unworthy to, to be taking a place in this, but because of your mercy that I found me, that I'm able to stand before you, Lord, to give you honor and glory. Through the work that God is doing in so many different areas, in Maui and Mali and, and other parts of the world, Lord, continue to glorify yourself 
through this work, Lord. Use us mightily, Lord, to bring your kingdom further and further into this world. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, for choosing us for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, uh, tonight we're going to introduce Toss to everybody in the evening service as well because when we, okay, the Living Faith Fellowship, every few years we want to sponsor a discovery trip to Israel. And what an incredible opportunity that is for people. We don't, that is not a profit center for the fellowship. It's not a profit center for LFBI. We do everything that we can to, to, to cut costs on that trip and to make that, uh, the exposure that you get on that trip is outstanding. Uh, we've got a, a Messianic Jew, a believing Jew that is our tour guide. And oh my goodness, he is, he is, we've had many in our fellowship that have taken tours over the years and, and, uh, and, and Yoni's knowledge, and inform, it's just an incredible thing. So we've got that. But one of the things that, that makes this very special is we take a trip into Jericho where God is using this man to see lives transform for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and just here it is. It's just an open invitation. He's going to be workshopping us at the end of next month. And so if that's something that you're interested in, our house is your house. You're welcome to be a part. Brothers and sisters, I want you to get to know Toss, uh, can you welcome him? Toss, tell us who you are, how to pray for you. We want to lift you up. All right. Thank you, Pastor. It's uh, really a privilege and an honor for me to be part of this group of people, to build the kingdom together. 23 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that. I came to this country 42 years ago on the purpose of learning how I can kill Jews. Learning more efficiently before I was, I was an assassin for Yasser Arafat. And uh, I done my dirty work and my dark work during that time. Then I came to America to learn more how better I can destroy Israel not realizing that 19 years after I come to this country, my son gets caught up with a young lady that brings him to Allen, Pastor Allen, and others of Kansas City Baptist Temple, and then he gets led to the Lord. And then they start praying for me. Prayer works, guys. Three months, your church have prayed for me until they made my life so miserable. <laughs> I couldn't look but up, and here I am, 23 years later, giving God glory for what he's done and what he's doing in the Holy Land today. So I want to invite you to come to visit us. I wrote two books once is called Once an Arafat Man. Some of you have read it, some of you have not. And this is basically the story of my life. And then we wrote another book after living in the Middle East, in Israel and the West Bank. I realized that my calling is not just to have that knowledge that I have learned as a terrorist, but to use 
this knowledge to help the church, how we can reach out to the Muslims in our neighborhoods in America and in Europe. And this book is, is authored for that purpose and that purpose only. It's for the church to empower itself to reach out to the neighbors, to your neighbors, which are coming, more and more of them coming to your neighborhood. And you're not going to be able to stop it because God is opening the door. If God did not open the door for me to be in this country for 19 years later to know Jesus and to be used to build a kingdom by him or through him, how many, how many of those people are coming to this country to be reached by you? That's what this book is all about. I want to encourage you, whether it's through this material or any other material that the church provides to you with, to reach out to the largest growing religion on earth, Islam. But we want to stop that. We want Jesus to continue to be the growest, the largest growing church on this earth. So I just want to encourage you to take part in doing that, okay? And tonight we will talk a little more, and we'll be with you around the day, or throughout the day. If you have any questions, we'll be happy to answer your questions. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for having These books are for donations. Uh, it's $20 donation for each book. Okay. Yeah. We don't take the money for ourselves. This is for the ministry uh, that we have. We have Hope for Ishmael and Seeds of Hope organizations that works for in the Middle East, basically, entirely, and, and here in the United States to reach out for the gospel also as well. So... Yeah, my son and my daughter and my son-in-law and my wife are out there at the table with the book is available for you to look at, read, and get to know them too. All right, thank you. I'll be there too. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, so if, uh, so $20, right, so for a $20 donation, that's the book. If you get stuck and you know you need to get the book, come see me. We'll make sure we get you the... Brothers and sisters, this is a wonderful, wonderful resource to be able to get inside and how, I mean, the nations are coming. And what's, what's interesting to me is we live in a day and age where the church acts like God has given us a spirit of fear. And that's just not true. God has given us what spirit? A spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Well, this book, Inside the Mind of Terror, is going to give you the ability to take this sound biblical mind and apply it to reaching people that God brought here just for you and I to share and to show and to give them the love of Jesus Christ. And so I, uh, um, please get equipped because you're going to have the opportunity to use this information. Can we pray? Um, can we pray for Toss and can we pray for the ministry there? It's just incredible. Little children are learning uh, uh, the gospel, they're learning who Jesus Christ is, lives are being transformed, it's just a wonderful thing. Come to Israel with us. We're gonna talk about that tonight. 
Um, Pastor Shelby's going to be giving us the information on that. Uh, Pastor Trotter is going with us this year. And so um, um, that'll be, uh, I mean, that's, that's just to be able to hang with Mark and listen to his jokes for nine days straight is worth going and learning uh, how the Holy Land's put together. All right, can we, can we pray to Mark, can you lead us in prayer for Toss and his ministry? I turned myself off there. Lord, uh, we, we know about uh, 2,000 years or so ago, a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who was a terrorist, you delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of your dear son and how you have used him. And Lord, I, I pray for my brother Toss that uh, that mantle of the apostle Paul might fall to him and that you will open doors for him the same way that you did for our brother Paul. And Lord, we pray for his protection um, him, his family, and the ministry. And thank you, Lord, that we have the confidence that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, yes, that nothing is going to happen that is not part of what you uh, have allowed. But, Lord, we do pray that you will just build a hedge of protection around this family and this ministry, use them, to glorify the name that's above every name. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You got five minutes.